Well, today we're concluding our series called Power for Life, and in this series we're exploring and explaining from the Bible why every believer needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have a book, Power for Life, out on the guest table, and uh, that's, we're offering that for free to help you understand more about the power of the Holy Spirit. It just came out uh, mid-last year, and uh, it's really one of the best books that I've seen on the topic. It's written by Assembly God Pastor uh, from Pittsburgh, and we really encourage you uh, to pick one up. If you haven't picked up a copy for your family, pick one up on your way out, and don't just pick it up. Uh, take it home and actually read it. Uh, it's, uh, it doesn't do any good to pick it up and put it on your shelf. So we encourage you to read it. It's really an easy read. Uh, it's got a lot of stories about God working in our world today in a supernatural way and how you can experience more of God's supernatural power in your life. And it dovetails with this message series as well. Well, today is our final message in this series. I've entitled it Gateway into the Supernatural. Again, there were there are four messages in this series. This is the fourth and final message. If you missed any of the first three, we encourage you to listen to them on our website. The videos are there. You can listen to them. They're also on our Facebook. They're probably easier to find on our website. Uh, we encourage you to do that. They all build on each other. And so if you watch all of them, you're going to get the whole, the whole picture. So gateway into the supernatural. Let's begin by talking about what is the supernatural. Uh, one definition would be the supernatural is an event or, or a manifestation caused by something, or maybe we should say someone, beyond the natural. I mean, supernatural is kind of defined as, as being something uh, above the natural. The way things normally work in our world, we talk about the natural laws of science. I mean, if I drop something, it goes down because of the law of gravity. That's the way things normally work. Uh, that's the natural ways. The Holy Spirit works in our lives. He works in our, in our circumstances in ways that go beyond the natural, and we call that the supernatural. Now, I, I might add that really this distinction between the supernatural and the natural is a, is a bit misleading. The Bible clearly teaches that God is in complete control of everything. The reason we have natural laws the law of gravity is because that's the way God normally works. It's not a, really an impersonal law. It, the Bible tells us that God holds together the very atoms. Everything is under his control, and he normally allows things to work in a certain way, and we call that the natural way. Now, most people think, well, God isn't involved in the law of gravity. No, that's not true. God is involved in everything, but that is the way he normally acts. But as we read through the Bible, we see... It is full of supernatural events and manifestations from Genesis all the way through Revelation. We read of miracles. We read of signs. We read of wonders. We read of answers to prayers. We read of God speaking to people in dreams and visions. We read of angels. We read of all kinds of other things. Supernatural ways that God interact with people over a period of thousands of years. Now, why are these stories in the Bible? Now, some people say, well, that's the way God acted in Bible times. He acted that way in thousands of years, and now he's just out of the supernatural business. In fact, if God is out of the supernatural business, I mean, what does he do? I don't know. I guess they think he just keeps natural things moving along. 
But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that these stories are in the Bible to tell us what God has done in the past. That's true. What God is doing in the present and what God will continue to do until Jesus returns again. The stories about God in the Bible are meant to tell us what he is like and how he acts. And so God has always been and will always be supernaturally involved with people of faith. Now, there are periods of time in the Bible where people didn't believe. Periods of time in the Bible where people rejected God and you didn't see much supernatural activity in those times. But God wants to be involved supernaturally with people of faith. God wants you to live a supernatural life, a life in which his spirit is active in your life. In supernatural ways. Why? Because God has a purpose for your life. And the only way that you're going to achieve the fullness of God's purpose for your life is through his supernatural power. You can't do it on your own. Now in this series, we've been talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That is the gateway into the supernatural. We've gone through many accounts in the book of Acts. Sunday after Sunday, account, multiple accounts of God baptizing people in the Holy Spirit, His power coming into their lives. And we've seen as they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Speaking in tongues is a, is a spiritual gift. And contrary to common opinion, it's, it's not a niche topic in the Bible. I mean, to hear some people's like, well, it must be a couple of verses on, on tongues. It's like, it's all over the Bible. I mean, we've been talking for four Sundays now about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with specific accounts in the Bible, people speaking in tongues. There's three whole chapters in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 that deal with the gift of tongues. I mean, there's far more on tongues than there is on water baptism. There's far more on tongues than there is in communion. It's everybody accepts. And so it is a very important topic. It's mentioned also in other passages in the rest of the New Testament. So what is speaking in tongues? Let's look to the Bible for an explanation. I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures we're going to be using today written out on the back of our study questions that you can do on your own. And if you ever wonder what the answer to a question is, you can always email me. We don't, uh, I don't have the answers written out, but uh, normally... No, I say all the time, there is an answer to the question. Uh, they're not always obvious. Some are to make you think a bit. They might not have been answered in the message. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. It says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. And so quite simply, speaking in tongues is praying to God. It's, it's speaking to God. But it's speaking to God in a language that the speaker does not understand. So I prayed today in English, and that, that is not speaking in tongues because I understand what I'm saying. And so a lot of people say, well, why would anybody want to speak in tongues? I mean, speaking to God, but I don't know what I'm saying. What, what is the point of that? Well, I could preach multiple messages on answering that question because there's so much written about tongues. But today, uh, we're going to give you some of the answers to that question. Now, first of all, I'm going to begin with that 
it is a gift from God. It makes it clear in the Bible that it is a spiritual gift. It is a gift from God. And every gift from God is good. God doesn't give bad gifts. In fact, there's verses that say every gift that comes down from the Father of Lights is good. From the Father of Lights is good. It's beneficial. And God doesn't give gifts for no reason. He gives gifts for a purpose so that we can accomplish what he wants us to do. So let's quickly look at one of the most important, but I think largely overlooked reason to speak in tongues. We're going to talk more about the benefits as we go on the message to, uh, this morning. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. And again, we're just picking a few verses from these chapters about tongues. We don't, we're not even going to scratch the surface of what's taught there. That probably for another message series. But it says in verse 14, If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. And so here again, we see confirmed that what is tongues? It's prayer. It's it's praying to God. When you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit is praying through you. And since you don't know what you're praying, it's bypassing your mind. We're going to see another passage dealing with this in more detail later on in the message this morning. But when the Holy Spirit prays through you in tongues, since he's bypassing your mind with all its doubts, all its fears, all its worries, all its wrong priorities, all its sin. He's bypassing your mind. And so the Holy Spirit is praying a perfect prayer in keeping with God's will. And when you pray a perfect prayer in keeping with God's will, there's a reference in your question notes there. We don't have time to look at it this morning. When you pray a perfect prayer in keeping with God's will, God always answers that prayer. And so every prayer that you pray in tongues will be answered. And that leads to amazing supernatural results when you pray a lot in tongues. And so that's just one of the many benefits of praying using personal tongues. We're going to talk more about those later on. But it shows that this gift of tongues as a personal prayer language is intended for every believer. For every believer. And so today we're going to continue our journey through two more accounts of spirit baptism in the book of Acts to learn more about it. First of all, we're going to talk about spirit baptism in the life of Paul. Paul was undoubtedly the greatest missionary who has ever lived. He was used powerfully in many different ways. He was used powerfully in working supernatural miracles in many occasions. We don't have time to go into it. If you're reading through the book of Acts, as I encourage you to do this month, you have undoubtedly read about many of the things that Paul did. He planted many churches. He raised up church leaders. He wrote a large portion of the New Testament. Paul was powerfully used by God. Paul's whole life was saturated with the supernatural power of God. And yet, Paul in his early life was a legalistic Jew who was persecuting Christians. Actually putting people to death because he thought they were not following the Old Testament law. And what happened to Paul? Well, he was saved. Uh, he was saved on the Damascus Road. Acts 9 says, now is he, that is, <clears throat> at this point, it's a little confusing, he was called Saul. Uh, later on, after he was saved, he took the name Paul. So we're kind of going to go back and forth here, but it's Saul at this point. 
As he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? <clears throat> and he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And so Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus appeared to him in a vision. Saul, uh, or I'll use Saul. Saul believed in him, and he was saved. And so in an instant of time, Paul repented, Saul repented of his ways, and he turned away from his previous lifestyle and committed his life to Jesus Christ. Next, God spoke to a believer, just a common believer at the time, named Ananias in a supernatural vision. And he said, go help Saul take the next two steps. And if you've been following along in the message series, what did Paul lack? What are the next two steps? That's one. Okay, we've got two. So you're listening. Very good. At least some of you. So, <clears throat> Ananias was not an apostle. Ananias was just an ordinary spirit-filled believer that God spoke to and had an extraordinary task for him to do to help Saul advance uh, in his beginning walk with God, walk with Jesus. And so Paul then was water and spirit baptized. Uh, verse 17, so Ananias departed and entered the house. And this took a lot of faith by Ananias. You understand, Saul was going around killing Christians. And here this Ananias, God speaks to him in a vision and says, uh, go to this guy who's imprisoning and killing Christians and pray for him. So Ananias had a lot of faith uh, that God had spoken to him, and so he went. And laying his hands on him, Ananias laid his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul. Okay, Saul was his brother in the Lord. He was a believer. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. You see, when this light shone on Saul, on the road to Damascus, it was so bright it blinded him. He couldn't see. He was blind for a number of days. And so the first thing that Ananias did was to pray for Saul, and his eyes were opened. He could see again. Next, uh, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. Both of those terms are used interchangeably as we see in the book of Acts. And next, Ananias helped Saul to be water baptized. Now, in this account, there's no mention of speaking in tongues, but we've seen from the pattern of other accounts that Paul must have spoken in tongues when he was spirit baptized. And of course, this is confirmed for us in one of Paul's writings in the book of 1 Corinthians, where we find that Paul spoke in personal tongues more than everyone else. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, this really is a very profound statement because if you've read the chapters in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, you see Paul was addressing a, a misuse of tongues in the public services. 
the Corinthians were really into speaking in tongues. Since that's when they came together, everybody just spoke in tongues. Nobody knew what anybody else was saying. And so Paul, part of what he's writing there was to correct that. But Paul says, hey, you know, you guys think tongues is great. I speak in tongues more than all of you. And I thank God for that. Now, would the greatest missionary who'd ever lived thank God for a gift and practice a gift that was of no use? Absolutely not. He had all kinds of things to do, but this was an essential part of his ministry. It released the Spirit's power into his life and into his work for God. And so not only did Paul say that he spoke in tongues regularly, he was confident he spoke in tongues more than everybody else. And so he must have been speaking in tongues almost constantly. And so this, this simple statement by Paul refutes those who say that tongues has no purpose. Paul's life and ministry was a testimony to the power of the Spirit released through his life by tongues. And so we also notice from this, uh, this quote from Paul, as some people mistakenly think that tongues is only the initial evidence for baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, I speak in tongues and that's it. Now I've got it and I can just move on. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. Tongues is the initial evidence of spirit baptism. You begin when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was never intended by God to be used just once. It's obvious in Paul's case, he used it continually. When you are spirit baptized, you can speak in tongues whenever you choose to. You can speak in tongues as often as you choose to. The more the better. Now, as in learning any new language, your ability to speak in tongues will grow the more that you practice it, the more that you cooperate with the Holy Spirit with your prayer language. And so I encourage you, if you have been spirit baptized and you've spoken in tongues, you should pray in tongues regularly. Every day, as you pray, we had already one verse. Paul said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with my mind. We pray in the Spirit with tongues. We pray in English or whatever your native, what language you can understand uh, as well. You do both. And if you're struggling, sometimes people struggle with it. They they have one time where they pray in tongues and then they struggle. And if that's the case for you, come forward and we'll pray for you so that you can be released into a greater dimension of tongues in your life. But if you are spirit baptized and you only speak in tongues once, you're really missing out on the benefit of spirit baptism. Uh, you're missing it out. You're only going to gain that benefit as Paul did by daily, continually praying in tongues. So that's the example of Paul. Now let's look at another example from the book of Acts, Spirit Baptism of the Gentiles. This is the final account we're going to look at in our message series. Uh, these are the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. It's, it's quite a long story, and we do not have time to look at the whole story this morning. We trust that you're, you're reading as you read through the book of Acts. You have read it, or you will read about it. But God spoke to Peter in a vision to go preach to this group of Gentiles, to share the gospel with them. When he did, the Gentiles were saved. It has this whole message in uh, Acts chapter 10. We don't have time to read it. But in verse 43, Peter preaches and says to Jesus, all the 
prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so that really is, is the essence of the gospel. You need to believe in Jesus so that your sins might be forgiven. And so it's evident from the following verses that the Gentiles accepted that message. They believed in Jesus. Their sins were forgiven. They were saved. The next thing that happened was a little bit unusual. The, the Gentiles were spirit baptized and spoke in tongues immediately. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, that's the Jews, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And so, interestingly, the Gentiles were spirit baptized before they were water baptized. And how did Peter and the Jews know that the Gentiles were spirit baptized? It's the last sentence there. They knew they were spirit baptized because they heard them speaking in tongues. And so here again, we see that tongues is the initial physical evidence of spirit baptism. And what were they doing? Well, they were praying. They were praying and glorifying God in a language they didn't know. What was missing from the Gentiles' experience now? Water baptism. They weren't water baptized yet. And so, uh, verse 47, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so the normal sequence that we see in the book of Acts, people are saved, uh, they are water baptized, and then they are spirit baptized. But here we see it interchanged. They were spirit baptized before they were water baptized. So either way is, is possible. And so as we've been going through the messages in this series, uh, you've basically followed my journey that I did a few years ago when I was in college of reading through the book of Acts and seeing account after account after account after account of what God did there. And my conclusion, the conclusion of many hundreds of millions of people who have been spirit baptized in the world, is that the accounts that we see in the book of Acts are God's pattern for all ages. It's not just what happened in the book of Acts that happened once, never to happen again. Well, it happened many times in the book of Acts. That's God's pattern for the church. That's God's pattern for believers, how we can experience the supernatural power of God as the believers in the book of Acts did. So believers were water and spirit baptized. And so the bottom line from the book of Acts teaches us that every believer in the New Testament church was expected to be water and spirit baptized. This was the power that Jesus commanded in Acts 1.8, that they were to wait. They weren't to go do anything until they were water and spirit baptized. And so what the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament teaches is that spirit baptism is the gateway into the supernatural and is the norm for God's church. And it's assumed throughout the rest of the New Testament. Things make so much more sense. You read the letters of Paul when you understand that he's assuming that everyone is water and spirit baptized. So if you haven't yet been spirit baptized, I encourage you to keep reading through the book of Acts and again read this book, The Power for, uh, Power for Life, and continue praying that you will receive the gift, and I believe that you will. 
And again, we always, I'm always available down front, or most Sundays I am, to pray for you or other people are available to pray, as we've seen through many of the examples. In the book of Acts, oftentimes other people would lay hands on people so that they might be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that often is a, a great help. Now in our final point today, we're going to look at the benefits of personal tongues. Personal tongues is what you receive as a gift from Jesus when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You receive the gift of personal tongues. Now, why do I call it personal tongues? That's not, <clears throat> personal is not a, a word in the Bible. I call it personal tongues because as we read through Paul's teaching on tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, it's apparent to uh, every knowledgeable Bible scholar that there are two types of tongues that Paul talks about. In 1 Corinthians 14, he's mainly teaching on a public gift of tongues. That's where someone speaks to the church in tongues, the church as a whole, and according to the instructions in God's word, that public tongue must be interpreted in the common language of the people. So if someone spoke uh, in tongues for the whole congregation to hear, and that happens from time to time here, then according to a biblical instruction, somebody must interpret that in English so we can understand what was being said. And that really is at the heart of the problem that was happening in Corinth and the correction that Paul brought to it. Now he makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 14 about all kinds of spiritual gifts that everyone doesn't have every gift. God gives distributes the gifts individually to people, and everyone does not have the gift of public tongues, that you can speak to the whole church in tongues. And in fact, it, another instruction is if you do that, you need to be ready to interpret. So you have to have the gift of interpretation too if you give a public uh, message in tongues. Not everyone has that. Paul makes that clear. That's public tongues. But personal tongues, everyone that's baptized in the Holy Spirit has that gift. So there's two kinds of tongues, and that clears up all kinds of misunderstandings. In 1 Corinthians 14, 5, I have it up there. Paul says, he's saying here, just in case you were getting confused that I was saying, you know, tongues aren't any good and they have all these prohibitions. He says, now I want you all to speak in tongues. What he means here, I want you all to speak in personal tongues. Later on, he says, not everybody speaks in public tongues. I want you to speak in personal tongues. Why is that? Well, because tongues spiritually strengthens you. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. Now, quite frankly, that verse alone should be enough to convince people to pray in tongues as, as much as they can. It, that verse alone should be enough for people to Seek God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit until they're baptized. When you pray in your prayer language, you strengthen, you edify, you build yourself up. And the more you do it, the more you strengthen yourself. What do you strengthen yourself for? You strengthen yourself to withstand temptation. You strengthen yourself <clears throat> to hear from God. You strengthen yourself to understand God's word. And we could go on and on. One of the most amazing benefits of speaking in tongues, we've already touched on it, but prayer in tongues is always answered. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, if you're like me, there are often times when I don't know exactly what to pray for. I know there's a situation over here where things are not right, but I don't quite know how God should fix it. I, I, I don't know. And there is something over here, and this person is wandering from God, and I know that's not good, but I'm not sure what to do about it. And so there's all kinds of things where I don't, I don't really know how to pray for, and that's a weakness. I don't know the exact will of God, the Bible tells us if we pray the exact will of God, our prayers are going to be answered. But oftentimes, I, I don't know what the exact will of God is for a situation, and that's a weakness. And so this ver these verses in Romans, written by who? Paul. Uh, tells us that when we pray in tongues, and it could go into, a, that's what it's speaking about, a groaning's too deep for words, groaning's too that can't be expressed. There's many translations of the Greek phrase that can't be expressed in language you can understand. And the reason he uses the word groanings, it goes in with the whole passage uh, talking about groanings. That's why he used it. But uh, it's clear that he's speaking of praying in tongues here. And so when we pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit is interceding or praying to the Father for us. And as I said before, this personal prayer, when we pray in tongues, do we know what we're saying? And the answer is no, it bypasses our mind. And that's a good thing because we don't know how we're supposed to pray. It bypasses our mind and the Spirit is praying through us in perfect keeping with the will of God. So often when we pray, our minds get in the way. Now, that's, I'm not telling you don't pray in English or pray with your mind. But our minds get in the way. We pray for things that are not God's will and then we wonder why they're not answered. It happens all the time. It happens to me. You really want something, and you really you don't even think about whether it's God's will. You just want it, right? How many of you prayed a prayer, and you just wanted it, and you really didn't even consider, you just hoped it was God's will because you wanted it? I mean, I think that's pretty high percentage of maybe my prayers and maybe yours. We just want things, and think there's a big Santa Claus in the sky, and if we have a list, he's going to answer it. But that's not how it works. He only answers prayers that are prayed according to his will. And so our minds get in the way so often. But when we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit prays through us a perfect prayer that is always answered. And we often don't know. All of a sudden, something just happens. And, wow, that's great. Something just falls into place. God just gives you some direction that seems to solve everything. And those things happen with increasing frequency the more you pray in the Spirit. Finally, tongues are the gateway into spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And so there is a, a basic principle in the Bible that teaches that if you use the gift that God has given you, you will be able to receive more gifts. In order to receive more from God, you have to receive or put into practice what you've already received. And since every spirit-baptized believer has the gift of personal tongues, 
as you use that gift and as you desire additional spiritual gifts, God will give you more gifts. Again, we don't have time to go into the whole teaching on spiritual gifts. There's just a lot of um, uninformed teaching around. It's like, every believer has received one spiritual gift, you know, when they're saved. And that's pretty much it. It says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Uh, You're not going to move in spiritual gifts unless you earnestly desire. And to be honest, until you're spirit baptized, you're really not going to move in spiritual gifts very much. Some examples of spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, prophecy. That's addressed in great detail. We're not going to talk about it today in uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Miracles, faith, healing, discerning of spirits, words of knowledge, and many things. And so using the gift of tongues that you receive in spirit baptism is a gateway to ministering in other supernatural gifts. And so once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can pray in tongues anytime, anywhere, just as you can choose to pray in English, anytime and anywhere. And the more you pray in your personal prayer language, the more blessing that you're going to see in your life. Praying in tongues, I believe, is one of the keys to obeying the Bible's command to pray without ceasing. You ever struggled with that? Pray without ceasing. How can I do that? Uh, pray continuously. How can I possibly do that? Well, praying in tongues is, is one of the keys. Because you can pray in tongues even when your mind is occupied with something else. When you pray in tongues, you'll be able to resist temptation. When you pray in tongues, you'll be able to... And again, there's many examples of this in the book, Power for Life. The whole example of people being set free from addictions and things rapidly as they're baptized in the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues, they're able to resist the temptation and addictive behaviors. And it's used in, it's used in Teen Challenge a lot. When you pray in tongues, you'll be able to resist temptation. When you pray in the Spirit, you'll be able to hear God speaking to you more clearly. You struggle to hear from God. And your mind is, you don't know if that's you or somebody else or where these thoughts are coming from. As you pray in the Spirit more, you're able to hear God more clearly. When you pray with your prayer language, you're going to see more and more answers to prayers. When you pray more in tongues, you're going to understand your Bible better. Uh, All these things I experienced in my own life. And so the bottom line is, as we finish out this series, seek God to be Spirit baptized if you haven't already been. Don't give up until you experience it. If you've already been spirit baptized, the Bible says, stir up the gift within you. Pray in tongues daily. The more, the better. Again, if you have questions, read through the book of Acts. I read through it, I don't know how many times, probably a dozen times before it totally made sense to me. And the book, Power for Life, which we have available now, we didn't have it available many years ago. Again, I'm available for prayer and to answer questions you might have. Basically, if you've been in most churches, you've probably heard wrong teaching on this. And uh, we encourage you to ask questions. There are answers to the questions. God has made available to us a gateway to the supernatural through spirit baptism. And my prayer is that each of us would grow in receiving and moving in that gift. Of course, the first thing, the most important thing is that We're saved. Uh, We can't have the power of the Spirit in our life until we become a follower of Jesus Christ. And to do that, 
we admit that we've sinned, we repent. We turn away from our sin. We put our faith and trust in Jesus, and we commit our lives to following him as Lord. So let's bow our heads right now. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, or perhaps you've done in the past and you want to recommit your life to him, I encourage you to pray this prayer. It's important not to put off a decision like this because no one knows how long their life is going to be. And once your life is over, there are no second chances. And how you respond to God determines your eternal destiny, your, your forever, which is eons beyond what our lifespan here is on this earth. And so your forever is, in many ways, it's determined by this short lifespan on earth. But the consequences are eternal. And so if you have not yet committed your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day. Pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've, I've done wrong things. Please forgive me. I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. Paid the price for my sins. Three days later, he rose from the dead. I commit myself to following him as my Lord. I don't understand it all, but I take this step of faith this morning. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this wonderful gift of spirit baptism that you poured out, you began pouring out for every believer on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Forgive us, God, for thinking that we can live the Christian life in our own strength without your power. And so today, God, we acknowledge that we are weak in ourselves. We need and we earnestly desire, we seek more of the power of your spirit in our lives. God, we pray that everyone who is seeking to obey Jesus and receive this spirit baptism, that you would baptize them, God. And may each one who has been spirit baptized, who has experienced the power of the spirit, may they truly have the spirit as rivers of living water flowing from within. May each one who has received the gift of tongues, God, may they be released into a full expression of their prayer language and, and use it each and every day. Help us to grow in praying in the Spirit without ceasing, God. Help us to learn what it means to pray continuously that we might see you moving in supernatural ways in our lives. We want to live the supernatural life that you created us to live. God, give us the boldness to embrace and to share the gift of the Spirit and His power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.